Hi, y'all. This is Emily, one of the producers of Unsettled. It's been five years since we started making this show. This fall, our team has been reflecting on what we've made so far and planning for the future. To help us shape those plans, we've created a quick listener survey. It should only take a few minutes, but it would be a major help. Check out our show notes for the link. We wanted to close out this year by diving into the Unsettled archive. Each of our producers chose one of their favorite episodes to share again with you all. It was difficult for each of us to choose just one, and we each made our selection for different reasons. Today I'm sharing my pick, a documentary that we produced in collaboration with the 972 podcast. It was originally titled, Will This Palestinian Matriarch Get to Keep Her Jerusalem Home? And it aired in the spring of 2021. That matriarch is Amal Sumerine, who lives with her family in East Jerusalem, in the Palestinian village of Silwan. However, they've been at risk of being forcibly evicted from their home for decades. This documentary is rooted in Amal's story, and I'm struck by the palpable wear and pain in her voice from the decades of legal battles and the stress of potential home dispossession. But I also hear her warmth and resilience and her resolve in sharing her story with us. One of the things that was the hardest to navigate in producing this episode was how to peel back all the layers involved in the threat of eviction facing the Sumerian family. Pressure from international actors, court decisions, religiosity, Israeli nationalism, manipulation of history, violence, just to name a few. Returning to it after some time, I'm proud of how we brought the listener along with us as we pulled on these distinct but interconnected threads. This story raises questions that extend beyond the Sumerian family, even beyond East Jerusalem. What is the role of organizations like the Jewish National Fund in Alad in Palestinian dispossession? How are Israeli political interests shrouded in tourism, archaeology, and the crafting of histories? And who gets to lay claim to a physical home? In total, it took over a year to create this episode, and to me, it's a great example of collaborative storytelling. The entire Unsettled team worked on this piece. It was only our second time collaborating with another media outlet and our first time working closely with a translator. The end result is filled with descriptive details, rich ambient sounds, and a variety of voices, languages, and music. Take a listen. Hey, this is Max Friedman, one of the producers of Unsettled. In January 2020, before the world shut down, I had the opportunity to travel to East Jerusalem and meet Amal Sumerine. She's the matriarch of a Palestinian family that's been living under threat of eviction for the last 30 years. To bring her story to life, we worked with the team at 972, an independent online magazine providing in-depth reporting and analysis directly from the ground in Israel-Palestine. So the episode you're about to hear originally aired on the 972 podcast on March 30th. Here's Henriette Shakar, deputy editor of 972 magazine and host of the podcast. As the coronavirus pandemic spread across the world, home has become an especially important source of shelter and safety. Some governments have even responded to pressure from activists and paused home evictions over the last year. But Palestinians in occupied East Jerusalem still face uncertainty. That's the case for the Sumerian family. They live just outside Jerusalem's old city, in Silwan, where the Jewish National Fund has been promoting Jewish settlement in the area through a subsidiary, often at the expense of the Palestinian residents. This coming April, after a decades-long legal battle, an Israeli court will finally decide for the last time 
whether the Sumerin family will be forcibly evicted from their home. I'm Henriette Chakar, and you're listening to the 972 Podcast. Every episode, we focus on issues and stories from Israel-Palestine that other media outlets tend to ignore. Today on the show, we've collaborated with the team behind the Unsettled Podcast to tell the story of the Sumerin family and their struggle to remain in the house they've lived in for generations. I'm here with Ilana Levinson, a producer with Unsettled. Ilana, it sounds like if you've visited Jerusalem as a tourist in the last 30 years, there's a good chance you've been to Salwan without even knowing, right? Yeah, that's right. One of the most popular tourist stops in Jerusalem is the City of David, or Ir David in Hebrew. It's an active archaeological site that claims to be the place where Jerusalem began. What does it look like? How, how do you get there? Well, on your way to the Ir David Visitor Center, you'll pass advertisements with images of smiling tourists sifting through dirt. And if you keep walking, you'll see gold letters jutting out of Jerusalem's stone that spell City of David in Hebrew and English. And the entrance is through this triple archway with a gold harp in the middle. And what happens once you arrive? So once you get there, you meet your tour guide who takes you through a leafy courtyard to your first stop. It's an animated video in 3D, and it features this character, Amos. He's a rugged-looking, silver-haired actor in a safari vest, and he has a Bible in his hand. And he takes the audience thousands of years back in time and weaves this epic tale of the glory days when King David reigned over his Jebusite kingdom. But what Amos doesn't say is that directly below the movie theater where you're sitting, one floor down in the same building is a home of a Palestinian family. So when the video ends, a City of David tour guide picks up the story. Okay, help me out here. What book does David write? The book of David. Most common wrong answer. (laughs) The book of Psalms. As she leads the group through underground tunnels and cisterns, she carries a binder with pictures of objects she says were found here, and she shares them with the group, drawing out their connection with ancient Jewish history. The official tour is run by the Ir David Foundation, or El-Ad in Hebrew. El-Ad promotes Jewish settlement in East Jerusalem, and their tour guides are pretty open about that. A few years ago, the City of David, the El-Ad organization, went and repurchased this house, and there are three Jewish families living in it. That house she's pointing at? It's in the middle of the Palestinian village of Silwan, where the Ir David archaeological site is located. Silwan is home to about 30,000 Palestinians. Since the 90s, El-Ad has taken over about 75 Palestinian homes in order to settle hundreds of Jews here. This is Amal Sumerine. She's the matriarch of a big family here in Silwan, in East Jerusalem. Amal has deep roots here. She calls herself a daughter of Silwan because she's lived here all her life, and her family has been here for generations. My last name is Ilqaq, which is a big family here in Silwan, and my husband's family called Sumerin, which is also a big family here in Silwan. So both of us have so many history and relatives here in Silwan. You're hearing Amal's voice and the voice of Ayat Yagmur, 
who's translating. Amal lives in the same house she moved into when she got married, over four decades ago. She has seven kids. Three of them live here with her, and some of them have families of their own. Her sister-in-law Hind lives here too. Silwan is in a part of Jerusalem some refer to as the Holy Basin, with homes built up and down the hills beyond the old city. Standing on her roof, looking out to the east and south, Amal can see the whole village. And to the north, she has a crystal clear view of Al-Aqsa Mosque. Come and take a look. In Ramadan, I walk to Al-Aqsa Mosque just to pray. It's very, very close. Looking out onto the city, Amal can tell you how it's changed over time and the specific families who live nearby. Lots of Sirwani families. But in recent years, Amal has watched as more and more Jewish settlers have moved into the homes surrounding hers. Homes that were previously occupied by Palestinians. Many of the settlers are renting those homes in Silwan from El Ad, the same organization that runs the Ir David tourist site, which is right down the street from Amal's house. While building all of this, they're carrying the tools and equipments and everything on our house to here. So it's very scary. Slowly, slowly, and take everything. From her rooftop, Amal can practically step out onto the buildings of the settlers who moved in next door. For the past 30 years, Amal has been fighting El Ad's encroachment. But El Ad isn't acting alone. They're working closely with the Jewish National Fund, or Karen Kayyem at Israel in Hebrew, a Zionist organization that has laid claim to Amal's house. Amal says when she was a kid, the land where the Ir David Visitor Center now sits was farmland. The road wasn't like this, it was all muddy. I used to walk all around. Under the cemetery, there used to be the, uh, now it's a, it's a park, but it used to be my father's land. And She'd help harvest the vegetables her father planted to sell at the market. My mother used to be a farmer too. She used to wear the traditional tub and she used to just go and sell whatever vegetables she grew to, to give us food. My father used to be a very old man. Amal was a young child during the War of 1967, when Israel occupied Gaza, the West Bank, the Golan Heights, and East Jerusalem, which had been under Jordanian control since the War of 1948. She remembers Israeli soldiers coming to her childhood home after many of the neighboring families had fled to Jordan. I still remember things. My father ref- refused to be a refugee. The, the army came and they showed their guns and to our faces and they asked my father, why are you not scared? Why you didn't leave? And then he said, I am not planning to. I want to stay in my house and I want to die in my house. 
then they just left us alone. A couple of years after Amal's father passed away, she got married to Mohammed Zumarin and moved into the house where she lives today. So I met my husband at a school bus. He used to be also my neighbor. I used to go to school and see him in the bus. And when he wanted to ask for my hand, my mother was very happy and she's like, okay, yeah, yes, why not? Go ahead. Because the situation wasn't, wasn't so easy for us. I got married so young. I was 14 years old and he was 18 years old. But he was an only child and he was very, very spoiled by his father and his uncle. The uncle she's talking about is Hajj Musa. Remember that name for later. Hajj Musa built this house and gifted it to Amal and her husband, Muhammad. It's still where Amal lives today. Amal describes her home as modest. A houseplant hangs from the ceiling, with vines spilling out and draped over one of the walls. There are a few black and white photos of relatives and paintings of Al-Aqsa Mosque on the walls. Outside, Amal has olive trees that she picks herself to make olive oil. This house is also where Amal raised all seven of her children. I have five boys, two daughters. Three sons are living here with me, and the other two are living down in Silwan, next to Lain. But then, everything changed for Amal's family. One night, young settlers showed up at her house and started to harass them. They just scream and try to just kick us out the house. That's it. They were able to chase the settlers away. But then, later that year, in the middle of the night, she and her husband heard noises outside the house. When they went to see what it was, they found Israeli border police putting up barricades on their land. Suddenly they came and they had like borders. They took the land and they left us the house and saying, this is our land now and this is your land. And that was that. Amal says that before the barricades went up, there were flowers, vines, and almond trees beside her house. Now, there's a building for El Ad's offices. It's so close to Amal's house, she can see through the window. So at first, we talked to our relatives. We phone called everyone we knew, and we tried to settle the, the matter with settlers. They kept on attacking us. They cut all our trees. The disputes between Amal's family and the settlers next door continued. But Amal says that the law advantages settlers over her family. It's always against us. It's always standing with settlers. Even if settlers did something very bad, they just stand with them. So Silwan in particular has been the area of intensive Israeli-Jewish colonization. This is Dr. Salim Tamari co-editor of the Jerusalem Quarterly and a research fellow at the Institute for Palestine Studies. And increased friction between the owners of land in these neighborhoods and people who seized property and began to move into the neighborhoods in East Jerusalem. 
But Dr. Tamari says that while Silwan is at the forefront of tensions between Jewish settlers and Palestinian residents of Jerusalem, the issue is bigger than just this village. Palestinians in Jerusalem have faced discrimination and harassment since Israel annexed East Jerusalem. Then, Palestinians suddenly made up about a quarter of the city, and that created a problem for Israel. The problem was that the demographic growth of Palestinians in East Jerusalem was threatening to the whole notion of Jewish hegemony uh, within the city and within the country as a whole, of course. So they began a series of moves to make it difficult for Palestinian Arabs to stay in the newly uh, drawn part of Jerusalem. Palestinians in East Jerusalem were given separate IDs from Israeli Jews that say they're residents of Israel, but not citizens. They're restricted from building or expanding their homes, and there are strict parameters for keeping their residency, like proving their center of life is in Jerusalem. Even studying abroad could cause a Palestinian resident of Jerusalem to lose their status. They would lose their right to residency, and they would lose their right to be in the country as a whole, including if they went to live in the West Bank and the other parts of the occupied territory. Israel wants to be able to claim every part of Jerusalem as its own. It just doesn't want to integrate the many thousands of Palestinians currently living there. And aside from bureaucratic measures, Israel helps to dispossess Palestinians from their homes by supporting settlement groups like El Ad. You see, it doesn't matter uh, in, the, in the course of events if they have actually correct legal claims to this property that you're talking about. It's that they only recognize one-way access to these properties and they will do everything to fake and manufacture into modern legal terms what they consider historic Jewish presence in the Holy Land. So when settlers came for Amal's home, she was forced into a decades-long legal battle to prove she has the right to stay there. And while her case was tied up in the courts, El-Ad got permission from the Israeli government to operate the City of David Torah site down the street from where she lives. And Amal says El-Ad's excavation has made it all the more difficult for Palestinians in Silwan to live here. They're just digging under our houses. I don't know, maybe one of these days the house will just fall on our heads and just fall apart because they're digging under it. City of David is de designed in a way that you feel that you are in a touristic site. You can come from all over the world that you can see around us and you feel, and even if you can be in Jerusalem, you feel you are in a touristic site. And, and I believe that if you will ask uh, people who visit the city of David if they've been in Silwan, they will say, no, I've been in the city of David. And I think the whole... This is Yoni Mizrahi. He's an archaeologist who worked for the Israeli Antiquities Authority before co-founding the group Amek Shaveh, which focuses on how archaeology in Israel is used as a political tool. As part of his work with Emek Shaveh, he gives an alternative tour to the City of David archaeological dig. Silwan is built on, on the archaeological site. It's no, you cannot really divide between them. It's just different layers. Strategically, uh, we know that El Ad Association, after uh, settling in Silwan, they realized that uh, it would be much more powerful to, to outreach the public by developing the touristic site. 
which means you are welcome to visit the archaeological site and, and, and just enjoy or learn about so-called the history of Jerusalem the way we want you to learn about it. El-Ad teaches the history of this place entirely through a Jewish lens, without a thought for the Palestinian village that surrounds the archaeological site. Uh, the way the tour is designed in general in the city of David, they have no clue that actually around us there are houses of Palestinians. Um, I think it's a very powerful, a very smart way to design a, a space in a way that you make people feel it's kind of, an, let's call it, an, an Israeli area. People have been looking for David's kingdom in this area for more than a hundred years. But according to Yoni, the idea that King David was here, it's just one theory. There are a lot of other possibilities for what this place was and who it served. Archaeology is not an exact science, but Yoni says that many archaeologists studying Jerusalem say the structures here are not from the 10th century BCE when David is thought to have lived, and that it wasn't a palace. This theory of David in, or David find in the city of David is not the main theory. And you see how you can emphasize one narrative that been provided by a small group or even sometimes just one researcher and make it like a consensus. But the Ir David tourists only hear this version of history. And when their guide presents that one narrative couched in scripture that seems to support the idea that King David built his palace here, it makes for a convincing argument. Science and religion reach the same conclusion. So that's very powerful, especially that you don't understand exactly what kind of a structure you see. It's not like According to Yoni, the obscuring of facts here is an intentional choice. By presenting only the theory that establishes a historical Jewish connection to the area, El-Ad, with the help of the Israeli government, is erasing Palestinians. Today, um, the settlers and the Israeli government emphasizing the name David so, so much. It's because um, it's not just David, the historic figure. Um, I believe that today David became, um, a, let's say, a nationalistic figure. David, according to many Israelis, is like uh, the forefather of the Israeli nation or the one who established the Israeli people and the kingdom, United Kingdom. Um, and they took these 33 years that he ruled here, according to the Bible, and made it like, um, you can say, internal, actually. It's strategic. The settlers' presence here makes a lot more sense to an international audience if they're facilitating the discovery of an ancient Jewish kingdom. And that actually uh, strengthens the hold, or at least the legitimacy of holds in, in, in Silwan. But eventually it's very, uh, what we believe is very nationalistic, a way to say this Jerusalem is, uh, is where the past of the Israeli people located and this Jerusalem is ours. And what happened in between, history or people who live here between, they are, you know, secondary, if not even more than that. For Yoni, as an archaeologist, he takes issue when he sees his colleagues, his peers, working at places like Ir David and claiming their work is apolitical. If you're coming to a conflict zone, you are part of the conflict. If you are dealing with the land and with the narrative of a conflict zone, you are definitely part of the conflict because most of the conflicts about, are about land and narrative. So you cannot be an archaeologist that work for the settlers from an Israeli organization in East Jerusalem, occupied 
territory, Palestinian neighborhood, and say that you are not part of the conflict or you are not contributing to the situation of this conflict. It's not only archaeologists who can be complicit. When tourists come here, without even knowing they've been to Silwan, they become part of El Ad's effort to displace Palestinians and settle more and more Jews here. I believe that the settlers' priority is settlement, which means um, they sometimes say they want excavation and archaeology, and I think tourism, everything here is just tools to uh, Judaize Silwan, if you want. That's the, the idea. So whatever works, that's what they will do. In other words, while Ir David may present itself as an educational experience, a way to learn about the past, that's not really why it's here. It's here to tie this place to the Israeli national narrative. The Israelis consider various areas, especially Sirwan, because Sirwan is also adjacent to the city of David. Therefore, it legitimizes the historic continuity of Jewish claims over the city. Israel is trying to claim the parts of Jerusalem that connect it to Jewish history, while downplaying its Palestinian past and present. But Dr. Tamari says when it comes to Silwan, that's impossible. It's not a village outside Jerusalem. It's part of the city. And the rights of Israeli Jews to claim historic presence in areas like Silwan only makes sense if we recognize the rights of Palestinians on the other side. If the Israelis say, this part is ours, and that part is ours too, then obviously we're talking about brigandage, pillage. So why are Palestinians in East Jerusalem so vulnerable to having their homes taken away? And who has the power to do that? Well, there's a web of organizations and government bodies that are all making it possible for more Jews to settle in formerly Palestinian homes. Stick with me here because it's a little bit complicated. You already know about El Ad. That's the organization that runs the city of David and rents out homes that were once owned by Palestinians to Jews. El Ad is working in close partnership with the Jewish National Fund, or Karen Kayemet Israel in Hebrew. If you're not familiar with the JNF, they're an organization that buys and develops land in Israel for Jewish use. They brand themselves as an earthy organization that plants trees in order to make the desert bloom. For over 115 years, Karen Kayemet Israel, Jewish National Fund, has been greening Israel by preserving open spaces, caring for forests in the creation. But the JNF isn't just planting trees in arid places. It's played a role in clearing Palestinian lands for Jewish use. So while El Ad is running Ir David and settling Jews into former Palestinian homes, it's actually the JNF that's taking those homes in the first place. Specifically, in Amal's case, the JNF took possession of the Sumerian house from Israel's development authority and leased it to El Ad. El Ad and the JNF have had a close working relationship that dates back to the 80s. And by the way, both El Ad and the JNF have raised a lot of money through American nonprofits. All of those donations are tax deductible. At this point, you may be asking, why is it that anyone, the state, the JNF, or El Ad, 
can just decide they own Amal's house, the house that has been in her family for generations. It's because of the absentee property law, which is meant to transfer property to the state of Israel that's been abandoned by people from, quote, enemy countries. It was put in place in order to allow the state to take possession of the houses Palestinians left behind when they fled or were expelled during the 1948 war. But Amal's house has been inhabited by the Sumerian family since it was built, decades ago. In the case of the Sumerian family, the JNF is acting through its subsidiary, Himnuta. But the JNF owns 99% of Himnuta, so we're just going to talk about the JNF. Karen Kiemet is an organization more like a company that takes the land of people who left Palestine or left their lands. But we're here, we're still here. But what they are claiming is that sons of Hajj Musa are, are not here anymore. So they want to t- put their hands on the land. But we're here, we're still here. Remember Haj Musa, the uncle who built the Sumerian's home? The JNF is using the absentee property law to say that essentially none of his legal heirs live there now. So it can be labeled absentee, even though Amal and her sons and their families are all living there. I, I can't say precisely how many years this house has been or this land has been. The only thing I'm sure of that this land is for the family of Sumerian. Amal's position became even more tenuous after her husband died a few years ago. What they're saying is, after my husband died, I can, uh, uh, like my, like Haj Musa, who used to own the house, which is the uncle of uh, my husband, he had given them permission to stay in the house. But now after my husband died, they are saying that we don't have permission to live here anymore. Amal hasn't been able to present a document that the court accepts as proof she bought this house from her husband or Haj Musa. She says that's just not how things work for Palestinians in Silwan. We don't sell lands, we don't sell houses. Just whenever someone's died, his son stay in the house and get married, and then his children the same. That's the system here. The Sumerian family has lived with the stress of this case for decades now. They've had some success in the courts. A judge ruled in 1994 that because Haj Musa lived in the house until he died, the absentee property law was applied incorrectly. And we, we announced it at the newspaper. We won the, the case that this house is ours, but then there's another rule suddenly. In 1996, the JNF appealed the ruling and won. And since then, Amal has fought off legal action after legal action to evict her family. Over three decades in and out of court, she says she spent upwards of 333,000 shekels, or $100,000. But in September of 2019, an Israeli court issued an eviction notice. Amal has appealed to the Israeli Supreme Court. Her hearing is this April, next month. There's no place for me to go. I don't know where I'm going. I'm scared all the time. They have money. They have resources. When when they came to the court, they had 12 lawyers and we only had one. They have money to fight for this house. We can't do the same. And they have the whole government beside them. The JNF has the power to drop Amal's case. And they can do that at any time. 
In May of 2020, a coalition of over 30 activist groups under the banner of the Sumerian Coalition launched a major international campaign to end the eviction of the Sumerian family, building on years of activism targeted at the JNF. To the Jewish National Fund for the future of everyone in the land, stop what you're doing. Start creating communities where we can all... You need to know what's happening with this money. This money is going to uproot a Palestinian family in Sinai. According to the Israeli anti-occupation group Peace Now, last spring, thousands of people around the world called on the JNF to drop their case against Amal and her family. 34 were recipients of the Israel Prize, and about 150 were graduates of the JNF youth group. And there is evidence that the JNF is responding to activists' calls to drop the case. In October of 2020, the Israeli newspaper Haaretz reported that the JNF is considering freezing the eviction proceedings because of concerns for their public image. If they do, that opens up the door for lots of other Palestinian families to ask for similar treatment. And meanwhile, the relationship between El-Ad and the JNF appears to be deteriorating, as El-Ad has no interest in the JNF dropping the case against the Sumerians. The JNF has contractual obligations to include El-Ad in their decision-making about this case. So if they really want to freeze the case, they'll have to enter legal proceedings to end that relationship. And while they decide what to do, Amal and her family are left guessing what might happen to them and their house. Whenever there is wind or there is rain and I can, I can hear the, the door shaking, I, I got scared. I think they're coming and they want me to leave and evacuate the house. Even if the court upholds the Sumerians' eviction, the JNF could choose not to carry it out. But when we reached out to JNF, they said, quote, the JNF will operate as it has always in accordance with binding judicial decisions. Amal isn't planning on leaving, regardless of the decisions made by the JNF or by the Israeli Supreme Court. We have been living here for a long time, that's what I want to say, and we have history here, and it's really hard for us to just give it up or to exchange the house with another one. Amal's house is more than just where she lives. It's the generations of ties she and her family have to Silwan. Settlers used to tell us, let's give you another one, let's buy the house from you. But I was born in Silwan, and I want to stay living in Silwan. Before my husband dies, he asked me to take care of this house and to keep this house safe and not to give it up. And that was his well, that's what he wants before he died. And my husband died in this house, and I want to die also in this house. According to reporting from February 2021, we now know that the JNF has its eyes set outside Jerusalem. Earlier this year, they began discussions about purchasing privately owned Palestinian lands in the West Bank to expand Israeli settlements there. And that's a significant change in policy for the JNF, putting them more clearly in the expansionist wing of Israeli politics. مش بس بدهم بيتي كمان راح يضلوا نازلين ويعملوا مشاكل I think we are more like an obstacle in their way to make the city of David wider and wider and wider. I think they're going down for other houses. My house is only the beginning. 
I think that anyone who ha has been living in their house for 40 years should be protected by human rights and by all all rules of the world. Like 40 years is not something you you want to give up. 40 years is a lot, and I'm I'm not actually planning to give it up. So I really hope this time they give us the the justice and give us the right rules. Last week, on April 5th, the Israeli Supreme Court was supposed to hear the Sumerian family's appeal. But instead, the court announced that they were requesting to hear from the Attorney General, who now has 60 days to submit the government's position on this case. After that, the Sumerians and the JNF will be given the opportunity to respond, and then a new hearing will be scheduled, so stay tuned. The Sumerian family's court case has continued on. This June, the Israeli Supreme Court had another hearing on the family's appeal. According to Hagit Ofran of the NGO Peace Now, as a result of this hearing, the court has asked the state for an opinion regarding the application of the absentee property law to the family's case. For now, activists and the Sumerian family are still waiting for this opinion, and the family remain in their home. Yoni Mizrahi of Emek Chavez says that since this episode aired in 2021, things have been getting worse in Silwan. He says Elad's plans to build a large tourist center across the street from the Sumerian house are progressing. And a contentious cable car that will have its last stop at that same tourist center was okayed by the high court this May. In March of this year, we dove deeper into the role of the Jewish National Fund with activists Maya Rosen and Daniel Roth. You'll find a link to that episode in our show notes, along with the playlist of these five-year anniversary producer picks. Whether this was your first time listening to Unsettled or you've been following from the start, we want to thank you for listening to these stories and supporting our independent team. And as our team plans for the future, we'd love to learn more about our audience, which includes you. Help us shape Unsettled by filling out our audience survey, which is now on our website and at the link in our show notes. We'll be collecting answers through December 26th. Unsettled is created by Soft Calderon, Max Friedman, Alana Levinson, and me, Emily Bell. This episode was produced by Alana Levinson, Max Friedman, and Emily Bell. Music from Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Henriette Shakar and Ido Conrad at 972, Asaf Calderon, Yuri Blau, Ayat Yagmor, Hagit Ofran, and Lena Dalashay.